The scripture reading today is Deuteronomy 1, 24 through 31. They set out and went up into the hill country, and when they reached the valley of Eshcol, they spied on it out and gathered some of the land's produce which they brought down to us. They brought back a report to us and said, It is good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But you are unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, It is because the Lord hates us and he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we headed? Our kindred have made our hearts melt for reporting. The people are stronger and taller than we, and cities are large and fortified up to heaven. We actually saw there the offspring of the Ankem, And I said to you, have no dread or fear for them. The Lord your God who comes before you is the one who will fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before you, your very eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried out you, just as one carries a child all the way that you traveled until you reached this place. Amen. God bless his word this morning. Happy Father's Day, dads. And uh, (laughs) thanks to Darla for bailing me out. In my mind, I had something to give for Father's Day, but that was a flop. So I called her, and she helped me out. And then Amy put all the gifts together. I appreciate that. And Allie, once again, the songs were spot on with the sermon, so I do appreciate that. And I'd like to welcome everybody who's given us an opportunity to minister to you on this Sunday at the future Oak Street Brethren. So we welcome all of you to service today. My dad, Terrell Jevedon, used to host boxing matches in the living room in the greenhouse of Gratis, Ohio. The kids would come, we'd get our gloves, and we would stand in the middle of the living room, we'd start boxing. And my dad's a teacher of all sports, and as we're boxing, somebody got popped in the eye, he would stop the match and say, you need to hold your hands like this, young man. And he was just a good teacher of that. And then when the little ones got through boxing, the older kids would come in. Now, you watching high school kids box, now you're really getting it on because now they're falling over couches and busting up chairs, and they got bloody noses, black eyes, and it's it's just a bomb to watch these old dudes box, you know. And uh, just to know my dad, our house was to be lived in. We played basketball in the house, five on five. We played football in the house, one on one. Whatever sport there was, we played it in the house. But I think that's appropriate to um, go into boxing as I was growing up in the 70s and 80s. Boxing really became highlighted and it really took off. 
Let's let me throw some names out at you. Maybe you remember some of these. If you're a boxing fan, I realize I'm in a kind of a brethren pacifist tradition, so you may not know boxing. But for us who watched it, names like Sugar Ray Leonard, Ray Boom Boom Mancini, Roberto Duran, Ernie Shavers, Michael and Leon Spinks, Joe Frazier, just to name a few, Jimmy Young, Larry Holmes, and of course the guy who made the uh, cooking thing, and I done forgot his name, George Foreman. <laughs> All of these boxers were promoted by the great Don King, and Don King was flamboyant and something else when he put the fights together. But nobody, nobody ruled the roost and commanded attention in the 70s and 80s like Muhammad Ali. When he did interviews or he fought in a fight in a boxing match, households would come around the television to hear what he had to say. He was the king of boxing, and he knew it. And in his boxing matches, he always had a strategy. In his interviews, he would tell you what he was going to do to the opponent. Well, in this particular fight with George Foreman, his strategy was called rope-a-dope. And his goal was to, anytime Foreman punched him, in order for his body to withstand the punishment that was coming, because George Foreman hit so hard that guys just couldn't take it. He's putting guys out early in the boxing match. So anytime Foreman would punch O'Ali, he would back into the rope to absorb the punch that was coming his way. His second goal in that was to get George Foreman tired. So Ali would be hugging on that rope and everybody wondering what's going on and all of a sudden he would come out and he would just start pounding and he would start fighting and he would start boxing and he would win eventually the title. And he called it Rope a Dope. And so this morning I'm focused on Deuteronomy chapter 1 in preparation of this I have rope a dope. And it's going to seem strange to you because the verse I'm going to focus on is verse 27. It says, And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, he's brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Why would you use that verse on Father's Day instead of the verse, I've led you like a father and I fought for you? My goal this morning, and I hope God helps me because this verse, and these verses just, man, it just came at me. And I really enjoyed what I was reading and studying. But my goal here is to take God in communion, Heifer International, and the role of dad, and to put them all together and to show the importance of dad in the family based on God the Father through the Son, and then how that works out in Heifer International on this Mission Sunday. I'm not sure I can do it, but I'm going to give it a whirl. Deuteronomy is all about second chances and second beginnings. And Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 1 rehearses to the children of Israel what God had brought them through. He says, God has brought you out of the land of Egypt. He brought you to Mount Sinai to receive the commandments, to follow his covenant and do his will. He led you to this point. He brought you here. And as you grew and as you blossomed, you got too big for me to control everything. And I asked you to pick out leaders of tribes 
and people, men to help me guide you along as we travel to the promised land. And you agreed to that, they said. He said, but then I brought you to the brink of the promised land. After God had done all these wonderful things for you, I brought you to the brink. From the time they received the law to the promised land was 11 miles. They journeyed all the way from Egypt to receive the law, and 11 more miles they go to the promised land. And right on the beginning of it, they sent out spies. The spies came back with, the land is beautiful. Look at the fruit. Everything that God has said is surely right and surely true. It is everything he said as it is. But those cats are big, and they can kick our tail, and they're going to flat wear us out. We cannot go into the promised land because what we've seen with our eyes and what we've experienced. And Moses says, now you're toast. You're toast because you didn't believe me, because you didn't trust me. My hand guided you all the way after 400 years out of captivity right here. I spoke to you through Moses. I led you and I guided you and I brought you here to the land for you to take what I've given you. But you didn't believe me and you didn't trust me. He could deal with their sin and learning and growing what it was to be a follower of God. He could deal with that. But he could not deal with the fact that they wouldn't believe and trust him and who he was. God could not help that. He led him. He got him and said, but you don't trust me and you don't believe me. And because you don't trust me and you don't believe me, you now have to turn back around those 11 miles. And you have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because you refuse to believe me and my commandments. God got a bad rap. They say here in verse 27, why have you done this to us? Why have you brought us here? You want to kill us. You want to starve us. You want us to die of thirst. You really don't love us. Why have you done this to me? God's always taking a bad rap, hasn't he? Jesus says, I've seen Satan fall from the heavens like a star. Well, if you're so good, why did you let that happen? In the garden, I've given you everything deep. But God really didn't say that. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did God send us into the wilderness? Why did God put us into captivity? These things are always asked in the Bible. If you're a good, loving, caring God, why do you do these things to us? Seemingly, there's no answer. Today, they ask the same questions. Do they not about God? Because we don't understand evil in its fullest sense and why God would allow it to happen. Other views come along like evolution, like it just happened out of a blob. And men find ways to understand reality and what's going on without God. Because they say, if God is really true, if he was really loving, these things wouldn't happen. So God sits in his little ring and he takes the punishment. He gets hit left. And right, left, and right, and he takes the punishment for mankind. Talk bad about me. Don't serve me. Don't follow me. Say what you want to say. I will lean up against the ropes. I will take your heat. I will take your punishment. Say what you want to say. But eventually, I'm going to come off that rope, and I'm going to pop you. And I'm going to let you know that I'm God. 
And you know when he done it? He came off that rope when he sent the Lord Jesus Christ. His love, his mercy, his kindness, his grace. No matter how you treated God, no matter how bad you talked about God, no matter what you think you've done to God in your mind and in your heart, God still was there and he still loved you. And he came off of that rope and he threw the punch. And the punch was his son, the king of kings and lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who died and rose again. But then Jesus come along from heaven, became flesh. He started taking a whooping by Satan. If you really are God, why are you starving yourself? If you really are God, jump off this mountain. If you really are God, teach us right. If you really are God, destroy Rome. If you're really who you say you are, do what we're asking you to do. Jesus took it left and right, up and down. But he kept on going. He absorbed the punishment of mankind. But Jesus also asked, did he not? Father, I got to go to the cross because this is what you called me to do. But is there any other way? Do I have to suffer like this? Do I have to die? I've accumulated friends. I have family around me that love me, that want to take care of me. I've experienced humanity in its fullest. Why do I have to die? If there's any other way to you fulfill your will and your covenant with mankind, would you please do it? The son was given the father what for? Even on the cross, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God was taken a whooping and Jesus was given it. But just as Jesus took the heat from everybody and he felt the heat from God, God raised him up from the dead. And the Bible says he went into the lower parts of the earth preaching to all the captives that was out there. God vindicated his son when he died and rose again. He said, I come off the rope and I fought for you and I raised you up. And Jesus then came off the rope when he was risen again and he threw his punch. His punch was his death and resurrection. That is manifested right here at this table. That he died for us. But that wasn't the end of the story for the Lord Jesus. So now Jesus hangs back on that rope. Now Jesus is in there doing the rope of dope. And we get to come after him. Do you really love me? Do you really care about me? Look what I'm going through. Look what my family's going through. Look how we suffer. You are not a true God. But some knucklehead dad, I don't know, maybe he was a drunk. Maybe he liked to watch porn. Maybe he destroyed his marriage. Something that had happened to that dad that he said, I can't take no more. And Jesus says, let me come off this rope, dude, and throw you my punch. Boom! He cleans the mind. He cleans the heart. He cleans the soul. And he says, everything's going to be all right because today... I come off that rope, and I want to save and change your life forever. Now, when a mom gets saved, she has to work that thing a little different. You, you moms know what I'm talking about. But, buddy, when a dad gets saved, he's coming right for you. <laughs> I, this is the way it was, son. He's coming off that rope fast. There is a king. There is a God. So now, guess what, dad? 
God was on that rope. He's leaning back and he threw his punch. Jesus was on that rope getting all of what he'd done and what he went through. He says, I'm going to come and throw my punch. We were lost and undone, dads. We were without the Lord Jesus. And we came in there and he says, let me throw the punch for you. He changed our heart and he changed our lives. But on this Father's Day, you're on the rope, dude. You're on the rope, dad. Oh, yeah, you're taking the punishment. Yeah, especially as a Christian dad. You're going to take it. Dad, your advice is dumb. Your advice is stupid. It's leading me down a bad road. I don't want to be on this road. You're taking it. You're hitting it. Uh-oh. You're taking it, you're taking it on the chin, left and right, Dad. It's hitting you, and it hurts you deep down. It bugs you to no end. You teach your sons one way, you teach your daughters another way, but you do it from the heart of God, and all the time you're on that rope, being whooped. Being hit, being struck down, and this ain't working for you. But you're taking the punishment, Dad. But eventually you want to come off that rope and you want to hit, and you want to hit hard. And what you want to say to your son and daughter is the same thing God said to the children of Israel. The same thing God said to Jesus. The same thing Jesus says to us, I want to take you to the promised land. What is a promised land that a Christian dad want to take his kid to, whether son or daughter? Let's just put it in a big perspective, a better life. Don't work like I had to work. Get a better education. I want you to have a better life than I had. But that all stems, son or daughter, from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that I've accepted Christ as my Savior, you're right, son. I wish you wouldn't listen to that music. I wish you wouldn't watch that kind of stuff on television. I wish you wouldn't listen to all that craziness that's out there. When you accept Jesus Christ, he does something in your heart and in your life, and he puts you on a trajectory to the promised land. And that promised land is a better life. And then the dad says, I want you to be a man of God who will follow God and serve God and love God. And when you get married, teach your wife good. Treat her right. Lift her up and be the man that God wants you to be. And lead your kids in the way of righteousness and truth and spirituality. That Jesus is the Christ and he's the Lord. Even when they don't understand it and they don't want to hear it. And you're taking your whooping like a man. Just stay in the ring. And when you come off that rope, it's going to be something else. I want you to change your life, son and daughter. I've been there and done that. But there is a God who wants to take you to this promised land that you have a better life than me. You accept Jesus Christ as Savior and know him and serve him and follow him. That your marriage is better than my marriage. That your relationship to your spouse was better than mine was. Don't make the mistakes that I made. Don't do the things that I've done. But ultimately, son, I want you to make it to heaven. Daughter, I want you to make it to heaven. There's no important part of a person's life than their relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ and what's called eternity. I still believe churches has gotten away from preaching eternity. There is coming a day of judgment where we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for the deeds done in our body. Son and daughter, you will give an account. That's what we do, dads. You know the thing about Muhammad Ali? Like him or hate him, that old dude had millions of fans all around the world. 
And when I was growing up and you wanted to box, everybody wanted to be Muhammad Ali. Punch like him, talk like him, do what he done. And I'll take this out of context, but in his own way, he reached out to millions of people. Do we not do the same thing through Heifer International? Men, we lead the way in that. We reach out to people who don't know the Lord Jesus, some who do know the Lord Jesus. We say, we want to help feed you and sustain you so you can take care of your family and feed and sustain somebody else. You see, men, we lead the way in missions. We come off that rope and say, I do want my family saved. I do want them to serve God. I want them to be in church. I want them to know the Lord Jesus. But I want my family to reach out because God reached out to me. He reached out to my family. I want to reach out to the world. Millions of people don't know the Lord Jesus. Millions of people need food and water, still all those things. And we have that in Heifer International. Just in a practical way, I just want to show you how this works out in this church. When Clint Searle says, I wanted to take over Heifer International, it was on his heart to do. He'd done it because he saw it in his dad as a farmer and what his dad meant to him. It got put on his heart. He brings it here and he spills his heart out to the congregation and said, this is what is on my heart to do for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God. That's the way it works out in practicality. What has God put in your heart to do for him and his glory? Do it with everything you got. Do it with an open heart and do it with an open mind. And when that enemy's hitting you, punching you, one day you're coming off that rope. And you're going to say, I just roped a dope. Because that knucklehead didn't know what I was doing at all. Ali won the title. God wins the title. Jesus is the title. We're recipients of that goodness and that glory. And it all happens because men lead the way. Sorry, there's nothing wrong being the man of your house. Leading and guiding and directing your family in the things of God. And it all happens at the communion table where you experience the goodness and the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to say to you, fathers, lead the way this morning, man. Lead them to the cross. Take them right to the cross and say, son and daughter, here is life. Here is life more abundantly. And here's how you should walk as a man of God or a woman of God. And let Christ do the work in their hearts. And when you come off that rope and make your punch, the glory of God will come on them. It has to. This is God's promise to us. Thank you, men. Thank you for being awesome dads, grandpas, and great-grandpas, and everything you do for the kingdom of God. Let us get in that ring, and let us continue to fight the fight God has called us to fight. Let us pray this morning. Father, I want to thank you for fathers, the dads, Lord. We, we take a lot of punishment. We take a lot of heat just because we're trying to direct our kids in the right direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't always say the right things. We don't always do the right things. Nobody ever does. But you're there by the grace, by the love and mercy of Jesus Christ to help us stay on that road. You fought the fight first, God. 
When you delivered your people and said, take the promised land, and they refused to take it, you was right there ministering to them and said, are you ready to take the land? And when they was finally ready, they went and they took that land. You sent the Lord Jesus Christ right at the right time. That anybody that comes to him, he does not, does not, never denies or rejects, but he brings them into the kingdom of God. And you touch dads, and you save dad's souls, and you turn them around to follow you and to serve you and love you. And then they get a ring and they fight the battle. Bless every dad this morning. Touch every dad this morning. Minister to every dad this morning that they know in their hearts they're following you and serving you and they're giving that to their children. That their children know and understand who the Lord Jesus Christ is. May you be glorified in the communion service, Lord. And may you touch our hearts, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to read.